Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. After midnight, Bruce, late night. How are you doing? Late night. Late night. Just finished getting the game grades up and uh, looking to add this podcast to it, as we normally do, embed it. Uh, as soon as we're done here, but uh, I guess you had to cut out right as soon as the Oilers game ended to go play your own game, eh? Yeah, uh, oh. the the team I'm on, the River City Pigeons, had a had a late night game. It's hell of a good time out there tonight on the ice. Uh, it's unbelievably cold in Edmonton right now. It is yes. so so cold. Yes, but weird. we're not here to talk about that, Bruce. We're here to talk about the Edmonton Oilers who had. A very professional, business-like, impressive, really mm-hmm. impressive win against the Nashville Predators. What was the what were the grade A chances, Bruce, in that game? Uh, we have it at fourteen to six, and I got one in my notes that isn't in our list. That was an Edmonton chance that uh, I want to take another look at. Uh, but uh, fourteen to six for Edmonton. I mean, the stats. You look at the shots: thirty-two, thirty-two, and the fact it was a one-goal game for most of the game, but the fact is the Oilers were ahead for the last 30 minutes and they were actually driving the play for much of the third period with five grade A scoring chances to just one for Nashville. Edmonton really took command of that game and they took command in a 200-foot fashion where they had the puck in Nashville end and when it was in Edmonton's end, they were moving the puck, skating, getting that puck crisscrossing in their own zone and up and out of the zone and out of danger. It was a it was a very well protected lead. Tippett, Dave Tippett, the Oilers coach before the game talked about the need to check, to check, 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 check. Yep. And it looks like they're really buying yep. in from the top to the bottom of the roster, the very best players and the least uh, strong players. Everyone is buying into that and playing that kind of game. And it wasn't a terribly exciting game, but it uh, and it was actually I was kind of nervous watching because you just bowl <laughs> game and Nashville has some players that can score and Forsberg was doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the puck. Yeah. But uh, Bruce, there wasn't, it was a, t- that was a total team effort from the Oilers. Every That's single awesome. line was gone. Every single player was goal- going and a hell of a win. So let's do our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. But because it's a big win, we're going to each go with two good things each. What's your first good thing? Okay, well, I'm going to go with uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who was the first star in the building, and uh, I think rightfully so. He had a very, very strong game uh, with two goals, one assist, two more power play goals. You know, Leon, remember he had only one power play goal uh, for fairly deep into the season? Well, he's now up to 10. Wow. He has nine power play goals in the last 20 games. So... He's uh, he's been uh, he's been money on the power play basically his whole career here and uh, we're seeing more of that now. He chipped in a huge huge power play goal with uh, 18 seconds left in the first period that leveled the score uh, after the orders got off to a solid start but fallen behind 2-1 and they uh, uh, to get the score even before they went to the room I thought was very very big and in fact Nashville never scored again after that. Uh, and Leon, uh, man, he had two great chances to uh, extend the lead in the third period. A, a clear-cut breakaway set up on a fine play by his line mate Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Uh, that Pekka Rene, uh, who was very solid in uh, Nashville net, got a blocker on. 
I could hear the shot hit the blocker, so I knew right away, even though the announcer said he shot it wide, it was not a wide shot. That shot was labeled high blocker, and, and Renee got a piece of it. And uh, stoned again in the last minute and a half on a weird play where Rene was on his way to the bench, saw the danger developing, scrambled back in the net to make a great save, but only to suffer a too-many-men penalty for Nashville, which kind of extinguished their uh, their last hope. But uh, I just thought Leon was an absolute workhorse with uh, 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 another 22 and a half minutes, uh, five shots, 11 shot attempts, 30 face-offs that he took in this game. And just I thought he was strong in all aspects. I particularly loved a play where uh, he dumped the puck in uh, in front of the Edmonton bench in the second period. And uh, Matthias Ekholm thought, big Matthias Ekholm thought he was going to stand up Leon and crunch him because he was, you know, kind of exposed himself getting to center ice in order to make the shooting and make the change. And Leon just ran over him. I just love that stuff. And he's... uh, He's doing that more and more lately, this reverse hit where he just puts the opponent on his ass, the guy that thinks he's coming in to hit him, and the guy is down, and Leon just kind of shrugged him off, and off he went to the bench, and the next shift came out, and uh, uh, Matthias Ekholm picked himself off the ice and maybe thought he'd better think better the next time uh, that situation presented itself. So uh, I just enjoyed his game. Um by our count of scoring chances, he was involved in seven for the Oilers and zero against. So, uh, you know, a pristine two-way performance by that count. And uh, <clears throat> just a strong night overall for uh, the big German who is definitely shaking whatever bug had gotten into his game in the last six weeks of 2019. Uh, his, he had a great road trip, and now he had a, had a very strong return home game the- tonight. The dump-in play was particularly, we had just been, I had been criticizing him a game ago for f- still making, being kind of iffy on those plays, mm-hmm. but he was not iffy there. <laughs> oh. He got he took care of business, and that's exactly what we need to see is him just keep it simple, and there's nothing more keep it, keeping it simple than knocking someone off their uh, skates. Mm-hmm. So good for Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, my good thing, I'll start with Oscar Clefbaum. Um, nice heading into this year, Bruce, I've been up and down on him just like his game. He's been prone to uh, he's such a high skill player, but uh, he's been prone to bouts of defensive slumps, especially where he's been beat off the wall, um, not covered players in front of the net. I have to say, I'm not seeing a lot of that from Oscar Clefbaum in the last month or so. He's playing the best hockey of his career. He, uh, what is Clefbaum right now? Is he 26? 26 years old. He's he is so smooth and so smart, and he's 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 gotten smarter as a hockey player. That's what I'm gonna say. His power play um, efficiency. He just he moves the puck to the right guys all the time. He knows when to shoot. He's not getting blocked. He's keeping pucks in on the wall. So he he's he's mastered all of these little different things that he has to do. These little technical skills, Mm -hmm. and he's got them down. And he's executing them at a really high level. And he's he is a, I, I think uh, he's becoming, he's definitely underrated on the power play because most people say let's replace him with Ethan Bear. Yeah. But he's be, he is becoming uh, integral, integral. He always, he has been for some time, but really, uh, you know, 
I would I would argue that he should he should stay on the power play now. He's just making that run. Even strength, he and Larson are starting to play well. Larson's playing a little moving his feet, getting out there moving. But it's Clefbaum, his smoothness, his reads of the game. He had a really good streak earlier this year, but he's he's even playing better than that now. And uh wow, is that ever huge for the Oilers to have a player like Oscar Clefbaum? How many minutes did he play tonight, Bruce? What did Clefbaum get? Minutes, thirty three seconds. And he, uh, uh, across the board, he, uh, he led the team in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, even strength, uh, power play, and shorthanded minutes, uh, as well as total minutes in shifts. And he led the defenseman in average shift length. Like, he was just a monster of, uh, of uh, uh, minute munching. I like how tough he is on the boards now. That's what I'm noticing is he, he wins those battles. You see, he positions his body well. He's solid on his skates, and he's winning those board battles uh, again and again and again. And that's something that, again, that's something that didn't always happen. So he's he's worked on all of these different techniques, raised them up a notch, and um, he's becoming a superior NHL defenseman. What is your second good thing, Bruce? Oh, boy. Yeah, second good thing. Well, I think I'm just going to go with the total team effort um, of the Oilers. I I thought they were solid from top to bottom. Uh, I thought that they were, uh, uh, you know, they rolled the lines effectively. Uh, They had people, you know, both uh, special teams uh, did their jobs. The power play scored a, a key goal. Uh, and then, of course, the empty net goal was also technically a power play goal as well. And the uh, penalty kill was uh, was spotless. And uh, even including um, uh, Gaetan Haas killing penalties for the first time all year as a new new contributor to oh, the PK. Right. He played a minute and a half tonight. He had 20 seconds all season before tonight. And he was out on uh, two, if not all three, uh, penalty kills uh, tonight and uh, and got the job done and I just I like that it was top to bottom from the goal through the defense and the forwards it was just everybody took care of business and it was uh, um, uh, a well-deserved team victory so kudos to the Oilers all right my um my other good thing is going to be Mike Smith. And um, let me just see if I can get these stats for the last four games. All right. He, um, I was, when I heard he was in, I was actually unhappy. I thought they should play Koskinen. Koskinen's been their best goalie all year. And he had a rough game. And I thought they should go back to him. But obviously the right call, they went with a hot hand here. And uh, Mike Smith came up with just, a really solid game. I mean, the one goal, the goalie got beat on the one of them, but you know, that weird, weird wraparound play. That's, I think goalies are going to adjust to that and start looking. They should, they should stop that, but it's, it's so novel that they're, you're going to get beat now and then. And I don't think you're like, I think the goalies are going to catch on to that and be looking for it. Like the players who tried that. So that was a bit of a tough one, but Bruce, he had a, so he had a nine forty six. Uh, oh, they don't. They don't have it actually on hockey references. Nine thirty-eight tonight. All right. So in the four games leading into this, he was had a nine twenty-six save percentage, and then he was nine twenty. What did, what did you say? Nine twenty-eight. Nine thirty-eight. So he's really come alive. He's playing well. He hasn't lost in. Well, he lost the the first game in overtime in that stretch, but he's won four in a row now. 
and uh, he's 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 a great goalie to watch. He 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 battles he's the puck. He he, he makes weird looking saves. You know, he kind of lunges at them and stops them with his face and all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff. He passes the puck. He's been passing the puck ex- excellently. Um, what's not to like? If and what a surprise, you know. The only yeah. person who was still in his corner about three weeks ago was uh, Kurt Levins was the only guy still uh, mm-hmm. saying yeah, keep Mike Kurt Smith up. So good for Kurt. For that. Yeah, and we were just looking at the deteriorating <laughs> performance and remembering how Jonas Gustafson looked on his way out of the NHL. <laughs> yes, we were, Bruce. Uh, and, I mean, the thing in Smith's favor was that he had had a strong run early in the season, and clearly he was going to get another look, but you were starting to think that his chances were dwindling, and uh, he may have been thinking the same thing, but he's turned it around, and credit where due. And, you know, well, tonight, know. Go ahead, sorry. Tonight he only faced, by our count, six grade A scoring chances, but he faced a pretty high number of grade B chances from the high slot. I thought he fought through screens well, saw the puck well, and... and you know, there were some hard shots from like 30, 35 feet out that he dealt with, you know, blocker save, glove save, chest save, head save. That one that tore his mask right off, you know, <clears throat> was a blast from the top of the face-off circle. So the grade B area, but it was a rocket. And he also made a really, really good play early in the game when two Nashville guys broke in and there was a cross goal mouth pass at the the second guy was just going to slam home, no problem. But Smith intercepted with his goal stick and uh, just took that play away. I, w- I wonder if we could, should call that a, sometimes we call a poke check a grade A chance that there's no shot. And this is kind of the same kind of thing. He picked off a uber dangerous pass and turned it into a non-chance by just good anticipation and execution. If we were down on him in December, Bruce, uh, I will give you the his uh, in his save percentages in those games right now: eight sixty-eight, eight forty-six, eight sixty-four, seven sixty-nine, eight forty, and eight fifty-seven. So I think we were. I don't think it was crazy talk to, to wonder oh, if it might well. be over for a thirty-seven-year-old goalie at that point. Uh, well, Kat okay. Silverman, to her credit, she was the one who said you can expect. Big peaks and valleys in Mike Smith. And just when you're ready to write him off, he'll surprise you and come back. Remember we had this conversation yeah. sometime in yeah. late December, and she proved to be prophetic with that call. And, and I've, I've done some research. I'm going to be writing a post on this tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, she's. Yeah, I won't tell you what I found. Okay. Let's keep that a secret. All Is right. She's part of it? Well, her theory. That theory. I wanted to test that theory. Is that true or is it just talk? Okay. Because we're seeing it right with her own eyes right now. So I wanted to see, does it bear out over other seasons? There's no, not many valleys any deeper than the one Mike Smith was in in December as goalies go. I mean, he was, he was way down there, but right now he's riding the crest of the next wave and wave and he's been good. Credit we're due. In the, in those six games, he had an average save percentage of 840. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad okay um what's your bad thing my bad thing is that rotten horrible no good line change uh the 2-1 goal by uh by and this was the one time that edmonton had a had a breakdown and it was a multiple player breakdown which are usually bad kind of breakdowns to have 
And this was right after a successful penalty kill. But what had happened was that the uh, Shea and Archibald duo had played about a minute 20 by that point. And finally, the Oilers regained control of the puck. And you think, all right, we've getting it out. We've got full control. The nurse has got the puck. Nurse passed it over to Archibald, and Archibald had no legs. And the puck missed him by about two feet. But the pass actually wasn't bad. Like, you would normally expect the winger just to sort of cruise into the path of that puck. But he had no legs. So I went to Nashville in the neutral zone. And at this point, Archibald peeled off, and he got to the bench okay. But uh, Shane cruised over to his wing. And then, for some reason, Shane decided... Well, he needs to go all the way from the right wing over to the bench, which is on the left wing side. And even worse, uh, Adam Larson from right defense decides that he has to come all the way over to the bench. Uh, and he and Chris Russell get so crossed up, they don't even make the change. And so by then, what had been a five-on-four that had turned into a five-on-five was effectively a five-on-three because the two Oilers had completely taken themselves out of the play with a bad line change. It was just poor communication, poor execution, and they were on rubber legs at that point, and the whole thing just went to hell. Dave Tippett was beside himself, and I, I know how I feel, because bad line change, I know you're the same way as me. Bad line changes drive me nuts. And I guess probably every team has them, but because the Oilers are our team that we watch for 82 games, we see them all. And it seems like they have an ungodly number of them that, that wind up in the back of the net. And there's about <laughs> five to ten example. a year, right? We've been tracking this for some oh, time. There's about there's five to ten. Five this year. I'd yeah. Say there's about well, there you know, there's about five to ten that lead to goals against. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna I, like, and I disagreed with you because we were debating this earlier. I don't think Shane's at fault here. Oh, he, he had been out there, Bruce. A minute. He had been out there for more than a minute. Yeah, and he had a <laughs> okay, brain. Just wait a second. Okay, you. The, I'm gonna make my <laughs> argument here. Okay, go he, for it. He. They they get the puck out. He's chasing the guy out at center ice, okay? Mm-hmm. It's one-on-one, him and center ice. There should be four guys behind him. Right. And there's all kinds of – Nashville's making changes. He's counting the players. There's lots of players behind him. He's got to get off. He's allowed to get off then. The guy who isn't is Adam Larson. So I think Shane's counting the players. There should be plenty of players behind him to make that play. And, you know, if it's – as long as there's three – it's long as it's three on three, he can make that change. It's, and and I think it was at that point. So it's my bad thing is actually McDavid on that play, who in an otherwise he's been he's had a long run, Bruce, of really stellar defensive play, but he totally just let his man go in there and score. That was his check. That was McDavid's check right through the middle of the ice. And Connor McDavid just let him go when he went in and scored. So I, I'm I my vote is to exonerate Shane on that play. And and uh, I, I'd say Larson Yamamoto got beat at the blue line. Russ, I think one of the demon got beat and Larson obviously with, for the bad line change in McDavid. But I, I'm, I, 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 I would have said, Riley, you didn't make a mistake. You had to get off the ice. You, you were spent and the, you know, so that's my argument. All right. Okay. I'm not buying it, but you're entitled <laughs> to your opinion. Well, and you have the veto. So, okay. On the scoring chance assessments. All right. Uh, yeah, I gave my bad thing. It was McDavid on that play. My number, I'm going to go with the two numbers of eight and seven. Those are McDavid and Dreisaitl's contributions to grade A chances um, in the game. They were both, uh, in, McDavid was killing it on the power play. 
Uh, Drysdale just killed it throughout the game. That line continues to be a fantastic line. What a difference Yamamoto's made to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they just, Nugent Hopkins and Drysdale, who never clicked. They were together for so long, Bruce, they, you know, or not so long. They, they were tried out off and on a number of times, and there was no chemistry. Suddenly, you put Kyler Yamamoto with those with those two guys, and there's chemistry. Fancy that. So, um, good move by the Oilers to call up Yamamoto. Good move probably to let him ripen on the farm. And great news for the, the organization that they have a second line like that. They're, they are fun to watch. Um, every single game, Leon Dreisaitl is finally, you know, uh, outside, not, not playing with Connor McDavid since the 27 playoffs, 2017 playoffs. He hasn't had a really great stretch on his own, probably without McDavid, but we're seeing it now. He's killing it. Good for Leon. What's your number? My number, I'm going to focus on his line mate, his new, uh, best buddy, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, who in the last seven games, uh, has produced six goals, five assists, plus eight, and has completely turned his season around from being quite unproductive uh, to now all of a sudden through 42 games, because, of course, he missed six games at one point with a bad hand, and he was hampered for a number of others. Now all of a sudden he's up to uh, 13 goals, 31 points, and effectively half a season. So basically he's on a on a 25-goal, 60-point pace for the season after being way behind the eight ball and he's made up that ground and then some in uh in recent times he, he scored a beauty shot uh beat pecorino clean uh which was not easily done tonight and uh he was robbed by rene on a power play chance a little bit later he had five shots on net he was just uh you know all situations like he really played a a, a Impressive to me, 200-foot game. Strong on the back check, strong on the penalty kill. Stole, he had two takeaways. You know, he just did uh, plenty of things right. But uh, if you want to pick one number out of that, let's say we'll go with 11 points in seven games and the and the uh, the hot run that he's now enjoying. Remember, Bruce, when the, the Oilers didn't have any kind of players in mid-career who were, do, who were uh, doing well, you know, this huge gap on the team. I mean, there's been yep. various gaps at various I times. I remember it because it's happened every year for the last <laughs> 95 years. So this yeah. year, they're, here's their 26-year-olds. Here's five of their 26-year-olds, yeah. at least. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oscar Clefbaum, Joachim Nygaard, Josh Archibald, and Adam Larson. And all five of those players are playing really, really well right now in different roles on the team. And they're all 26 in the prime of their career, and they're getting it done, so... That's a, this is a different this this feels to me and it's felt um, pretty much all year like a different Oilers team and I don't know what it is is it Tippett um, is it Holland's strategy of bringing in um, veteran wingers to fill those roles um, you know it's just the, even the maturing process for all these players it's probably a little bit of all of that but it's working out and it feels like a it feels like a playoff team to me. The support team, the support crew wasn't getting it done early in the season. It was all Connor and Leon yes. for the first month or so. But, look but at the depth, depth yeah. guys are starting to produce and are you know have have been producing for a while, and they're starting to catch up in terms of where you'd expect to find them. And I mean Josh Archibald tonight. I mean there's a good example of a guy uh, because of the Cassian suspension, he had to. Uh, uh, step up and take on the first line responsibilities because someone had to do it, and all he does is score the game-winning goal. 
you know, and that's not all he did. I mean, he also was good on the penalty kill, and he had a, won a bunch of battles. Had some had a wicked good hit in the early going, and uh, a few others over the course of the night, and uh, competed hard and won a lot of battles. You know. Yeah, in the first month of the season. What do you want for a million bucks? First month of the season, I was thinking, like, what? Who? Like, yeah. is this guy, can he do anything? Oh, yeah. But he's he's gradually been getting better and better and better. That goal, by the way, that pass by Clefbaum, that bank pass. <laughs> yes. I meant what, to mention that. It <laughs> was magical. I, that was fan, what a fantastic bit of skill. And I raved about it, that pass in my Yeah, that grades. was one. That's, that's the moment where it's like, I was just thinking, Clefbaum, you're, you're, you're a madman out there. You're playing so well. Like, way to go. At the NHL level, to be not just a hundred like foot stretch pass, but a, a stretch wall pass. That's my favorite yeah. wall pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bruce. Let's leave it there. It's late. Uh, <coughs> upload this or download this. Probably Got both. The stupid chest cold that's going oh, okay. around. And did anybody mention it's cold outside as well? No, I've I certainly noticed. No one's ever. <laughs> people in Edmonton haven't even noticed. Or it's just another day in January. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.